Turkey's home party did not go as expected. Talk about gaming led to some uncomfortable conversations, and Void Walker got too real with John Doe. Awkwardness of the night was interrupted by a pager message summoning Highwaymen to the System Force War Room. Philip, an old enemy of the team and a positivist purpose, seems to be in need of mental care after a depressive episode and has called upon his enemies to check on him. And as Ross Crahan and Jason Flowers will tell you, citations with alien technology are not something most therapists are equipped to deal with. Content warning, mental illness, discussion of self-harm, and the wintering threat of nuclear war. Hi, man. Paint as a scene. Where do you go? I'm currently at System 4. I'm the only one who has just gotten this information, right? Yeah, you went alone. I think canonically what I said before was that I did get on the bike and immediately go back to Bezerkir's place to let them both know what's going on. Is that accurate? I'm pretty sure that's what I did. Yeah, and uh, as you arrive, people already left. We turn and we see Berserkir and John Doe doing party cleanup. So how is that going, lads? I don't know. Is this going full like separation of trash? Or are we just throwing everything in trash bags and putting it on the curb or wherever we're supposed to put it? I think we're separating it, but we hate the fat like really. Ha- yeah, I guess we can't put cans and bottles in the same bag. We got to separate it by color, too. Uh, the, my question is, why don't we just dump it in the river like a normal person? Because that's very bad for the environment. Oh, fish live in there. And that's why, like, you know, also why we technically have to separate it. Also, who only drank half a beer? I don't know. Dumps it in sink. I mean, on the other hand, though, the cans are all coming pre-crushed. Because we're just... <laughs> At that moment, Johnny walks in and he's like, hey, y'all, how's things? Uh, oh, party ended. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I had to dip out. Oh, it's, it's a mess in here. Hey, we have to go right now, immediately. No waiting. What? System 4 what stuff. On? System 4 stuff. Oh. Can't really uh, tell you the whole deal right now. Uh, we'll, 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 we we got to get to the main offices. I'll, I can kind of tell you everything there. All right. You brought your bike. Oh, hey. Are, hey, are y'all separated by color? Yeah. That's hey, that's great. I'm hey, thanks. I'm, I I mean, I appreciate that. You know, just coming from a, a pretty nice sort of wilderness area that's kind of under some protection. I appreciate. Anyway, we got to go. Okay, do we all go on the bike or is? Yes, it's going to be Johnny and John on the seat, and then Bezerkir in the sidecar. I I I think they're like all curled up. <laughs> They have their knees like up and like fully under the chin, just like just this. This sidecar is not built for someone as big as Mister Here. And Johnny does feel bad about that, but also you know just sort of pearls before swine and everything. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Okim. That was built for like my size, and it was specifically built for for John. It's like it's very literally built for John's size. Sorry, <laughs> apologies. It's all right. Not the most cramped thing. I mean, have you ever spent six months on a long ship? It is not much better. That 
makes a lot of sense. So fully understandable. I configuration on the I can fix it later. So it expands again. Pearls before swine. I'll make it better in the future. And uh, yeah, as soon as everyone's on the bike, Johnny uh, just like this is one of those things where I don't think he fully flexes some of the technologies on the bike most of the time because it is the most over the top, just like superhero bullshit vehicle. He is absolutely whipping through the streets right now, which he knows reasonably well when he can safely. He's like cutting through traffic. And I mean, there might be some times I, I mean, I did say superhero bullshit. Like if traffic is really bad, I feel like he might just briefly ride up a wall or some shit like just not for like a ton just like ah this intersection's really packed so he'll just zoom up the wall if he can do it without damaging it and then just kind of launch the bike across the intersection like just i mean fully fly over it and then reorient in the air and land and continue going there's a nuclear threat he feels like you know this is important enough to just maybe be a little bit disruptive sorry everybody i should also be clear that when he arrived at Bezerkir's apartment he was in full highwayman regalia he definitely doesn't have the sniper rifle on his back right now because that would be alarming i think but he is already kind of fully suited up just because you know if he is going to be on the bike with these two known superheroes i assume he definitely wants to make clear we're doing superhero shit that's why we're doing this sorry so yeah i kind of imagine your sniper rifle is collapsible not 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 like the ones you take apart. It is. Okay, cool. So it is collapsible. It's like an accordion, but a death accordion. I can't remember what the media touchstone I'm thinking of is, but I've definitely seen in some movie somewhere a gun that just like can be adjusted like on the fly just by kind of like manipulate, like by moving it essentially just by momentum. There's like certain things you can, so like the stock might shift positions, like that sort of thing. I think I kind of described it a little bit when we were in the fight against the Durak, how he was like holding it one-handed while riding the bike. So it is a very adaptable piece of weaponry. Like it's still attached to the bike. It's just not on his back. There's like a magnetic mount on the bike and it's on there, but it's just fully collapsed and not really apparent as it is. So where do you take them? Straight to the worm in System 4, just like, you know, the or at least my station on the in System 4. And I, as soon as we get in, I would we have a recording of the message I just got? Yeah. OK, I play that back and very briefly explain everything I understood from the broadcast and sort of the gravity of that, just so that they know exactly what's going on. I think I try in brief terms to explain to Joachim the threat posed by thermonuclear weapons, ending it with. So basically, it would just kill not only millions of people, but potentially wipe out most life on the planet yeah imagine if the sun could be on the planet that's basically the best i can explain it it's very it would be very very bad yokim from uh, what you've told me it's like if we took the the fire giants crammed them in a metal tube and dropped them on people i forgot him i think after what yokim has seen they at least understand it enough to know that this is bad and we need to stop this I think they're more focused on the fact that a porpoise is doing this. Like, why is the fish depressed and why is the fish... How did the fish get the thermonuclear weapons? I'm going to be honest with you. That last question? Great question. Don't know the answer to that. Honestly, we will need to circle back to that. That's pretty big. It's common enough losing nuclear weapons that the U.S. has a code name for it. Broken Arrow. That is an excellent point. Ludo, I'm sure there probably is. Is there like a system for procedure for 
which offices to alert in case of a nuclear threat. Yeah, and uh, the computer is already doing that. Perfect. The computer is basically preparing you a package of information to look more into Philip and how to deal with greater purpose. And it's compiling as you talk. There's that name again, that name I love so much. I just immediately, just as soon as I heard it, my gut was just like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm so, it's so good. I'm so angry. This is serious, though. I mean, nuclear weapons are already scary enough, but in the hands of someone who might feel like they have nothing to lose. Yeah, no, it's extremely bad. Kind of circle back around to Joachim's first question. Not 100% clear on how the dolphin became depressed. Like, I get it. It makes sense. You know, life is rough sometimes. So, you know, I get it. Yeah, I think we're going to need to handle this very, very delicately. What I'm thinking is we need to find some way to kind of sever the porpoise's connection to nuclear warheads, at least so that they can't access them easily while we can maybe get the chance to talk them down. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, no, a therapist who would be particularly well suited to counseling a dolphin, but long form definitely need to look into that. I mean, on the other hand, the fact that they reached out and didn't just hit the button and we're not currently having this discussion in the burnt out remnants of the war room means that they want the help. Yep. They're, you know, it is, I think, pretty classically a cry for help as bizarre as it might be. It's just a scary one because normally when someone makes a cry for help, you just have to cut the gas line to their house, not... Worry about them pushing a button and turning civilization into uh, once was. Glass. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Because, you know, if one fires from South America. Oh, the Americans and the and the Russians are going to light the world up like a fucking, like a goddamn Christmas tree. Uh, speaking of which, uh, wouldn't they be responding to these two? They may very well not. Was the message broadcasted everywhere, yeah? No, no, it was a specific call for System 4. Yeah, then I would say, I'm not sure if the Americans in the USSR are aware of this. This was a direct broadcast to us, so clearly they were looking for, looking to talk to us. I think maybe me in particular, Porpoise and I have some history, but either way, if they get wind of it, they absolutely will be intervening. So that's another wrinkle. They'll deploy all the big supers teams, which will turn Argentina into, I mean, at that point, greater porpoise. Argentine not. Yeah. I mean, well, okay, good joke. Good joke. I liked it. I like it, but it's scary because you know how those, how the two big two super teams are. They're just as interested in fighting each other as whatever goal you put in front of them. Yeah, it'll be a war zone pretty much immediately. Yeah, we need to try to keep this as quiet as possible. Uh, yeah, delicate, I think, is, is definitely going to be the operating word. Um, we need to secure passage. Um, that's going to be kind of a tricky tricky needle to thread, and we need to do it quick. Uh, Ludo, would we... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, right. Argentina and Chile don't like each other right now, right? Ludo, do these countries... What, what, is, what is the relationship between these two countries right now? Because Johnny would definitely know that, you know. I keep abreast of, of those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the relationship between Chile and Argentina is always a mess. And that is going to play an important role because, well, for starters, Argentina is undergoing basically a civil war. Second, uh, 
there is a lot of tensions around the border, especially on the south in Patagonia, which is exactly where your signal was traced to. And uh, f- finally, the the thing is, so because of the nationalistic character of uh, the government of Argentina since forever, since that's an essential component of Peronism, it requires typical jingoism. And Chile, as the most powerful neighbor, is a target of that. And basically, depending if you are on leaning to the right or to the left, Chileans, they are basically conquistadores that went to undermine their gentle way of life, or they are Mapuche that are crossing the borders to bring chaos and destruction to, to Argento. Gross. Either way, yeah, it comes on the two flavors of racism to... You know, basically calling them Spanish or uh, pre-Columbian invaders, depending on uh, what is convenient to the the appeal. So I'm supposed to say they fucking just they're having their cake and eating it, too, I guess, huh? Yeah, uh, uh, that's the wonder of Peronism is that uh, you ask 10 Argentinians to describe Peronism and that you're going to come with 25 different definitions. Sick. So we would probably be pretty aware that it's going to be kind of tricky to get into Argentina then, huh? Yeah, and uh, speaking about that information that uh, the computer compiles for you. So it shows you some slides of different possibilities. One is a schedule of traveling plans, matching different flights and whatnot, trying to get a track through the Andean mountains, crossing the borders of Patagonia between the countries, which will be a very tricky sneaking mission across the borders but would leave you closer to where Philip is. As an alternative, it is pointing out that uh, Argentina has a very strong nuclear energy program and a lot of it has been stalling, uh, new centrals have been stalling after the revolution and uh, the revolutionary occupied territories, they are trying to resume work on that. So you can try to get to present yourself as an expert that is going uh, to assist that because they are getting support on getting it working from the Soviet Union. And uh, weirdly enough, from what you see on the files, from an Italian cooperative, but uh, there is a nuclear station that is being built by the revolutionaries on the Embalse and you could cross the border present yourself as a foreign technician that is going to give expertise in nuclear engineering. You go to Cordova and from the city there, then you try to just casually cross pretty much the entire land of Argentina and go to Patagonia, hoping that uh, traveling inside the country is going to be less complicated than crossing the border in secret. That makes a lot of sense to me. I would like to ask to ask Brad and Bren, and, well, and also Ludo, what I'm thinking here, if Ludo is okay with it and if it makes sense to y'all, is maybe I could roll an overcome, basically to kind of set that up as the plan while attracting as little attention as possible from any 
Argentinian authorities' eyes. How do we feel about that, both as fellow players and also as the GM? Would that be acceptable? It would be acceptable, but my question is, how lucky are you feeling right now? <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, I'm, the answer is always not, but... At the weakest point, and uh, this is why it's important that you ask the others, is that you have the legitimate credibility. I mean, you are technically, you are already that for the Chilean government. So you basically don't have to pretend. Uh, the question is covering up for the other two. So the, if there is problem, it's more likely to be with the two of them. Right, 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 right. Uh, so that would be that. Like, I think that would be my first concern. The other thing is, even though I do, because like, yeah, I do know that I have those credentials. I'm legit on that front. That being said, since the Argentinians don't particularly care for people who are associated with Chile, I would be trying to downplay my own kind of entry and involvement. It's just like, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm just here if you need help, like just kind of trying to seem as utterly mundane as possible. Brad, help me out here. If Johnny just kind of doled out a bunch of fucking jargon and shit about this kind of like physics and like all of that sort of stuff, could. John Doe recited his banter skill in such a way as to confuse anyone who might try to ask him about it? Absolutely. John is very, very good at just reciting things that are confusing. And you can always play off Joachim as our bodyguard because it's 100%. goddamn Cold War. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. That was that was that was my other part of the plan. It's just like, yeah, and also like this person is huge and has significant martial prowess, so this person's just here to protect us from other external threats that are it's like we're not worried about y'all in Argentina. This is just about other stuff, but like and this is my colleague, Jonathan Doan. <laughs> It is to prevent someone from one of the other nations deciding, oh, you are now a USSR nuclear scientists or you are now a US nuclear scientists. Which I feel like we could sell pretty easily considering that we are already defectors and known academic defectors to boot. Uh, yeah, I think this plan could work. Bren, how do you feel about that? Sounds great. Sounds like a plan. Ludo, how do you feel about that? Sounds very good. Uh, let's see what dice roller thinks. Yeah, uh, so let's go over each of them and see what each of them is doing to prepare for this mission. And uh, each of them rolls to create a boost for that. So to prepare for the mission, I mean, we've already covered that John Doe really is a voracious reader. He's reading all the time, usually books on leftist theory and, you know, articles to try and understand what the hell he's actually fighting for but so John Doe can turn his brain to the act of reading these nuclear texts and really just scanning for buzzwords Johnny would for sure have some like academic papers and stuff and files I think I've kind of alluded to this before Johnny's the only one in the war room whose station is an absolute fucking mess all the time and he knows where everything is but nobody else could make sense of this stuff so he's just like he takes these like I think a few papers maybe like a big uh, like a broader book and he's like uh, just uh, give these a look and just sort of plunks them down in front of John what how how do you do this Years and years of sort of professional interest and study, honestly. But don't worry about that. Just uh, give them the old razzle-dazzle, as it were. Uh, fair enough. And so I think John Doe's boost would be intuition because 
John Doe's good at reading people. He's good at knowing where to apply the, yeah, trust me, I know what I'm doing. And the, do you know who I am? I'm Jonathan Doan. I was studying at MIT when you couldn't even read yet. Do you know how to split it, Adam? I do. <laughs> Sorry, I had to come back in just for that. That's just, I am the one who knows how to split the atoms. Uh, so I think intuition, banter, and my status die would probably be the boost creation. Go for it. So should I create a boost or should I just wait till we need it for another time? Like maybe to get past some guards? Create a boost. So I'm just using strength and posing and my status die because that's all I can really do. I know I could do close, probably could get away with close combat, which is a higher die, but I want to use imposing because it just, it makes more sense to me. So what are the boosts on the table? I am the one who splits the atom, which is a plus two. So good. I, I, I kind of want the... I'm trying to think of a funny name, but I just really can't. <laughs> Scary foreign accented bodyguard? Yes. Like straight out of a James Bond movie. <laughs> okay. So, let's see. You have a plus two that you can use. Go for it. I got a ten. We got a ten, folks. Yeah, a complete success. So, I think it is time for you to paint me a picture of your journey. Where are you going to the border? And uh, what is the journey like? Do you take the trains? Do you go on the motorcycle? Do you requisition something else? Do a fire on a plane? Whatever you do. And... Uh, uh, basically, it's going to be a social scene in which you can call, talk on the journey. So go ahead and paint me the picture. I got a quick question because it might be a complication. I forget. Have you gotten Joachim a passport yet? This is the 70s. Oh. So we stop somewhere in in town to buy one. Okay. If that is even a problem. Yeah. Uh, I, I think in, in whatever circumstance here... We have we have acquired some paperwork and it is official and at least it looks perfectly official and it will not be under scrutiny in this particular instance. Although it's a good point and definitely it's just like it's a thing that if we if we had to do it on the fly right now, then like in the mass of papers and other various incomprehensible garbage on Johnny's station of the war room, he makes a quick note on his like notepad, just like get Joachim official paperwork it's like oh uh by the way before we go uh joachim i've a, uh, have got something for you sorry i okay real quick very important what we're doing just want to do this i was this is gonna be more of a thing that i was kind of gonna be a little more sort of excited about but then i kind of i couldn't get it finished in time for the party tonight it's not finished right now but here just pop up here take a quick look at this and uh he goes yeah i think it's just again i'm just like i really like this i'm just turning this fucking desk into a fucking bag of holding but he basically gets under his desk and he like pulls out this kind of uh boxy sort of device that is fairly large it's about the size of a car battery at the base and then it has like this almost like a control mechanism that is almost like a gauntlet inside of this like arch thing that's like an arch that is wired into this list like this like boxy base and he's like so this is a device that i've been working on it is a it's transport basically i mean you know you're here and i know you're pretty far away from home and i, I to imagine you kind of miss it 
So uh, I built this and basically he pulls out a second, not completely finished one of these. Like this one has like some panels that are just like not there at all and like exposed wiring and like some sort of like pulsing lights and that sort of stuff. And uh, he says, basically this one I'll, I'll get finished soon and I'm still running some tests. So it's still a little bit loose, but if you reach your hand inside that gauntlet and then squeeze, what it'll do is it'll just instantly transport you to somewhere you might want to go. What I was thinking at the time is if you were to do that and you know, carry the other one with you, you could, you know, leave the other one back home. And uh, that way you would kind of have a, uh, well, a means to kind of travel back and forth. So you're not, you know, just completely cut off and you don't have to make months of journeys or, or you know, even catch a plane for that matter, uh, just to get back and forth. Uh, this was supposed to be your housewarming present. You know, I just wanted to make sure you actually had a line to home, you know, happy housewarming. Glad to have you. Joachim will open his, their arms and, Wait for consent, but gives you a hug if you consent and says, thank you, my friend. Johnny would definitely consent to that. It is certainly an awkward hug. He's not used to showing affection in most physical ways. Uh, so it's definitely sort of an awkward hug. But he's very fond of Joachim for their limited time that they've had together. So he's just like, yeah, you know, uh, of, of course, I just I want you to feel at home here as much as, as possible. And when you can't, you can be at home. Oh, and I'll, I'll set you up with a uh, sort of a long range transmitter as well. So that if you are at home, you know, we can get in touch with you. So you can kind of take that with you as well. Oh, we got the telex machine there now. Oh, that's right. Y'all do. All right. Yeah. Kick ass. All righty. Well, uh, yeah. So uh, that when we get back, won't be ready right away. But give me another two, three weeks. No, get you set up anyways. So uh, you could build him that, but you couldn't build me a portable tape player. No, John, we talked about this. It's not that I can't build you a portable tape player. It's that I won't build you a portable tape player. I will help you find someone who sells a portable tape player. We can we can get you a portable tape player. I just, like, I'm doing, I do this kind of stuff, you know, this sort of experimental tech. You know, I'm just saying, and this is, and John is, like, grinning this whole time, just like, I asked right after we both arrived in Chile, I said, hey, you should build a portable tape player. That'd be cool. And uh, Christmas passed. No portable tape player. I hand knitted you a scarf. It's a beautiful scarf. I love the scarf. I want to be very. I just. I, I want to make expressly clear. I do still wear it every single time it gets cold. It's a very nice scarf. I mean, I okay. You know what? That's that's fair. That's on me. I feel like you know when I did sort of get you the entire like home exercise system as much as I I mean as much as I could get for the limited space. I was trying to. I, I may have just sort of misdirected my efforts. I'm just saying, Joachim, they're a great person. They deserve the teleporter home. But I guess John Doe doesn't doesn't deserve a portable tape player. You know, does John Doe? This all right, all right. Listen, I we will. On the way back from Argentina, we will pick up a tape player. So anyway, after that, John's like, all right, so how are we getting there? Trains, planes, motorcycle, not the not the bike. <sighs> I really want to bring the bike, though. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lot of venues for us to use the bike in any cool action set pieces here. I guess we're not technically going to an urban area, are we? I mean, we are. We're going to Cordova, but... Yeah, but then you're going to sneak up and you're going to need to basically cross the entire country. So it will be useful to have the bike later. Mm, yeah, okay, then yes, I will bring the bike. I think, honestly, I think I'd probably just requisition a Jeep again. If I can get one without the Escort this time, that would kick ass. Allow a counterpoint. Okay. I don't want to take a train or a Jeep because 
if there's rebel forces on the ground that capture us, we're going to have to superhero our way out of it. And that is terrible for stealth. Yeah, it would be uh, it would it would draw some attention to be sure. So I reckon a plane and then we internally figure out, take the bike because then at least we're going quick. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, that'd be good. Just a quick plane ride. Maybe just toss the bike in his cargo. Um, I'll uh, make sure to sort of have it in the dress down configuration. So it's just not explicitly obvious that it's any sort of special bike. It's just, you know, easier than. Well, it's not actually easier. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just talk about how much I love the bike, basically, so that people understand that I just want to be able to ride my own vehicle around around in Argentina. Give me a second. And he goes over and starts fiddling with some settings on the sidecar <laughs> into how it, like, configures and stuff, because I don't think it's computerization, I think, is still very limited, but I think he's at least able to change parameters of just, like, make sidecar bigger, just, like, have it, like, you know, extend and fold out a little bit more so that when the next time that Joachim is sitting in it, they're not sitting with their knees under their chin just fully curled up into a ball and they can, like, you know, sit a little bit more comfortably because I imagine that trek across the country going to be quite a bit longer than the ride through town. I mean, they did say that I guess they're comfortable with sitting in longboats for months at a time. Well, not comfortable, but have that with it. But at the very least, we're going to, you know, try a little bit to make it a, a slightly more accommodating circumstance. And yeah, Johnny would probably go ahead and send out a few quick, make a few quick calls to just get a a plane lined up so they can depart as absolutely quickly as possible. You know, make sure that they have the cargo space for the bike and then would pack any gear that can be traveled with fairly easily that might be essential to have and at least when they get to Cordova, like have a contact that they can rendezvous with if they need specific stuff. Those are my preparations. John Doe, because this is the era before the dressed down intellectual puts on his only nice set of clothes, uh, which he looks incredibly uncomfortable in black blazer, white shirt, black tie dress shoes. And uh, that's the only equipment he needs. Waiting to get on the plane, hates it. Perfect scene of him standing and just trying to adjust his sleeves. Like, I don't, how do people wear these all day? Wait, sorry, did you, are you asking how people wear sleeves all day? Yes. John Doe hates sleeves. Oh, gotcha. Um, Johnny is briefly baffled by the question. I honestly, and uh, Brent, I am seeking correction on this if, if I'm incorrect. I've always gotten the impression that Joachim is probably also not a big fan of sleeves. I always imagine them in like the kind of a reddish brown shirt with kind of tan brown bell bottoms. Okay. That's their disguise for, Oh, those look good and they fit at least now, <laughs> but I don't know what they would wear. Like, cause they want to look the part of the security. I'm bouncing between like Brock Sampson and racist Bannon. <laughs> I think the Brock Samson. <laughs> uh, let's lean into the Brock Samson, I think. <laughs> just the just the look, just the look. Yeah, Ludo, this might seem like a bizarre question, so I will ask it. Would there be an inventory of possible disguise items somewhere in the building at System 4? Well, yeah, definitely. You have to travel everywhere. Okay. Yeah, um, I would definitely take both of them down to the disguise room and, and be like, all right, uh, y'all are, uh, I know not as comfortable with this angle on things. You're just going to have to trust me that, that these are uh, probably sort of the most inconspicuous thing. John, I know you're not a sleeve fan 
for what it's worth, if it makes you feel any better, if anything pops off, I fully encourage you to start things off by just completely ripping the sleeves off your shirt and reminding everyone that you are, in fact, not Jonathan Doan, but John Doe, ass-kicking fiend. But for the moment, try to keep them just intact. Uh, we'll, we'll worry about the rest kind of later on. Well, that's fair. Thank you. So, Berserkir, planes. How's that going? So, this thing flies like a bird, but can carry us. It does. How, how are you feeling about that? How does it flap its wings? It looks like it's very fixed. You're correct. That fixed. Uh, they actually don't flap. Boy, oh man, aerodynamics is kind of a complicated thing to explain. Basically, it just pushes a lot of wind underneath the wings, you know, like the way a bird normally does by flapping, but it does it with these big, these big turning things. And he just indicates to the jet engines, it's like they turn, they just, they spin really fast and they make a lot of wind and they push that wind underneath the wings and that sort of pushes the wings up. Does that make sense? I'm really bad at explaining this part of things to most folks. I'm sorry about that. Uh, so how is it going? It doesn't have any talons. It's got wheels. How is it going to carry us? And Joachim kind of gently kicks a tire. We're going to be inside it. It's not going to eat us. We are voluntarily going to climb inside it. Okay. It's not alive, if that helps. So it's more like one of those train things I was on earlier, but this one goes thousands and thousands of miles in the air yes yeah it's like a sky train yeah that's kind of it do you have the floating lanterns in your community where you make a lantern that flies through the sky i don't know no no we don't don't worry look i've been on a couple of planes i've been in a couple of plane crashes it's fine let's go wait what crashes what that scene ends with like Johnny just like mouth open with like one finger up like to John and then it just cuts away. Yeah, but this time actually there's no problems and uh, you land without issue and uh, you are clear to go grab uh, from the from the depot warehouse where they have a, a special cargo where you are going to get your motorcycle. It's a bit out of end, so you have to take one of the small cards that go around the airport as you get there. Yeah, it's more it's more a tractor than a cart. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, I think I'm just sitting in, in one of the seats near the driver, just like very concerned about anybody doing anything to mess up my baby. John Doe would know, but Brad doesn't, the audience doesn't, so I think it's important to ask, does the bike have a name? does the bike's name is christy that's right i did remember we discussed this very briefly at some point christy named after chris christopherson so you get to the part where this is being unloaded and you see you see three workers that uh, are unloading it and you immediately realize that there's something wrong that uh, they seem to be paying way too much attention to you and following your movement. And you're not even surprised when the three them pull guns on you. I have uh, one of my abilities is ambush awareness. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get to it. Okay, excellent. I'm probably, yeah, this would be, I think, the most appropriate use of that. 
I think right as things pop off, just like the minute that I think I see guns coming out, I think Johnny immediately turns to the other two and says, guns, get them away from them. Try to keep everything low key. And like, we don't want shots like to, to ring out here at all. And then we go. You just unpack at your motorcycle to check that everything is fine, that nobody damaged your precious baby. And as this happened, three of the workers, they pull out guns on you. Highwayman, you have the initiative. So what I'm thinking here, no, because a reaction would take place not on not on my actual turn. I think I'm going to go with load. I'm going to use my load ability specifically because like I at this point, I don't think I would have the, the sniper rifle ready. I mean, like I would have it. Certainly, I would just like need to be like basically busting it out and decollapsing it, which only takes a few seconds, but I feel like would certainly kind of constitute part of my turn. So I am, ah, but I did say I didn't want shots. Shit. So how about maybe use the busts to represent you getting on the bike and having the advantage of it? Yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah, uh, so I boost using signature weapon to create one bonus using max die and one using min die. Okay. I got a seven for one of them, and I got a one for the... You create a boost of one and a boost of two. I'm going to say the... I'm going to say the plus two. I want it to represent, like, there's chaos going on. That's what I want to, like, represent. Just, like, now the fact... Because y'all pulled guns, but, like, then I hopped on a motorcycle, and all of a sudden the situation is kind of wild. So I'll just call it burning rubber. I think that makes sense. Plus two for the plus one. Call plus one. You didn't see that coming? Question mark. (laughs) Okay, who you want initiative to? I'm going to lean into my worst instincts right now, and I'm going to pass the initiative to Matryoshka. As you are driving around, you see something falling from the sky, and you realize that it is a humanoid form that is falling at high speed, free-falling. And right before it hits the ground, it splits in two, and one charges at you, another gets in the way, so you have to swerve your bike to avoid them, as the other one creates a hammer out of nothing and throws it right at you. Hello, highwayman! The second that I see the split happen, as soon as I see that, I under Johnny's breath, he's just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Oh no. Ah, fuck. Y'all, I made a terrible error. I gave Ludo an enemy that that is multiple enemies. The one that is blocking on the way and forcing you to do that creates a hinder that um, you have an awkward break of minus three. And uh, the other one is hitting you for three damage. Oof. I take it and I do break awkwardly, but I I think I still try to stay on on the bike as well as I can and try to just basically start wheeling in the other direction. Yeah, and uh, they're gonna hand off it, Jundo. It's me. All right, so we've got three normal dudes and Troishka and a helicopter. Yeah, that's where Matryoshka came from. That's fair, which means there's probably a Matryoshka up there with a gun. I mean, I can, I, I jump good, so I'm going to actually target the helicopter? No, no. We're gonna follow. What Johnny said. Uh, there's three hired guns. I'm going to use my odds aren't in your favor. I'm going to attack one target using strength, and then I'm going to attack the other. A one. The reason he can't get the good punch off is because his sleeves explode off as he does. It's distracting. 
So yeah, they have to get out of the way, but uh, but they continue to threaten you. I'm not even going to roll because even with the one, they're gonna save. I hate them. Well, we learned from we 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 have the mechanical experience to know that I should probably pass it to one of the bad guys. So I'll pass it to the hired guns. Let's see how they do. So one, two, four. And uh, one, two is going to go to John Doe, and the four is going to go to Berserkir. So basically, they start shooting at you as you are basically peanut. It's not really a good place to fight. Maybe you should also get chasing away. So do you do anything for this damage coming? I'll take it. So hand off to Berserkir. That's it. So it's too late. They already fired their guns. I'm going to go for the helicopter with leaping. Uh, just basically an overcome, try and get it in the helicopter. Okay. Uh, you get an aid. So I think that's already puts you safe. Yeah, and uh, you jump and uh, you get to the helicopter. And uh, you see that it's being crewed by Matryoshka clones. And uh, you basically start uh, clobbering them <laughs> as they try to keep the thing in the air and uh, to push you out of the helicopter. And I will pass it off to the only actor that is available, which is the helicopter. It crashes. The clones die. Yeah, the clones everyone dies. <laughs> it's an osprey, so its natural state is crashing. We just watch that happen, and then and then just Bezirkir like pops out of the wreckage, just like I'm good, and we're like, all right, well, let's go to kill a dolphin, I guess. The helicopter loses altitude and goes beneath the cloud line, so everyone can see the helicopter. It is an old Kamov, an old anti-submarine helicopter. Its pilot is basically trying to help throw Berserkir overboard. So it's gonna do a hinder action. Unbalanced minus two. So next new turn, we advance. There are two green boxes left, and it's Highwayman. So you are struggling to control your motorcycle as you are fighting two clones. I feel like knowing my companions, they are probably a little better suited to physically fight Matryoshka. Like I have just now gotten the bike kind of under control. I'm going to rev it. Um, I'm going to use the burn rubber boost and I'm going to just try and go attack the gunman. Wait, which gunman? Am I able to attack, to attack all three of them or is that not a thing? They were in another zone, so you're going to have to move back there because you're moving away from it. Oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to focus on Matryoshka... I'll fight the gunman. I have a lot of abilities in green to clean up groups of minions. I just rolled like shit. Okay. I think this is as simple as like, I'm going to just rev the bike up and try and use the sniper rifle. Just like he snaps it out and it is, you know, it's fancy comic high tech shit. So I think he tries to use kind of the, the butt of it to slam, like as he just drives straight for the, the Matryoshka with the hammer. I think he's going to try and bat that out of the way and just basically like clock him across the face. Okay, so do you have a hinder of minus three? Do you apply any other modifier? Burning rubber boost to plus two. It's a four. Yeah, and uh, you managed to hit them and uh, reduce their dice size. So tell us how you seriously impair the ability of uh, 
majestic continuing to fight. Could I assume that the Matryoshka with the hammer is like the prime? Does that make sense? I, like this is, I think, something that is kind of just up to us based on having talked about this person. Yeah, you can. I think it's a matter of Johnny just fully guns the bike straight at that one because I think, you know, he's fought this person enough to know that and then like snaps out the rifle and I think basically like does it in such a way as to trick Matryoshka into trying to parry a hit and then he just kind of slides it up and just almost like it's like a baseball bat just like fully just cracks it across their across their head. And I think for a moment, as their concentration just slips very briefly, we see the other clones kind of flicker and then and reassert themselves. But they have definitely like they lose their balance a little bit. Um, there's, you know, it's a it was a pretty nasty hit. So I assume that there's probably some just from the impact. And as soon as Johnny has like completed that swing, he doesn't actually stop the bike right there. He kind of just keeps going past Mitrioshka to kind of follow through and he's going to once he's kind of completed that sort of straight shot like kind of drag race style zoom he's going to kind of do that sort of brake slide swerve and get ready to come back around okay who do you hand off initiative to I'm gonna hand it to Bezerk here because I feel like feel like they probably got the best chance of, of maybe resolving something quickly hopefully okay Power strike. Gonna try to hit them with an axe. Uh, so use power strike. Yeah. Do you boost yourself? Yes, I'm gonna boost myself to negate the hindrance. Mm-hmm. Like, I've fought on a unbalanced ship before. This is nothing. I do really love that the turnaround from explaining to Bezirk here, yeah, it's a plane, you get in it and fly around, and now they're in a helicopter fully fighting some folks off the ground. So that's six. I got a six on that. You fight them around, and uh, they are expecting you at least to be a bit slower, but you're not, and you just see three clones just fly out of the plane. Well, helicopter. It does not so much fly as it's so ugly that the Earth rejected. Wait a minute, there was only three people in this, three bad guys in this helicopter. Well, there's still the pilot and they clone themselves. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> For a second there, I thought, like, <laughs> oh. Oh, no, I had to pilot this. <laughs> Remember that time we came up with a very good stealthy plan to get into the country? We were going to have no problems. If only we planned for this. Yeah, I wonder if someone failed a very important role last session. That would have sucked if that had happened, honestly. That would have been... <laughs> what kind of nerd fails an important role? Especially with like a just like a literal one or maybe a two, I think at most. I don't remember. That would be... I, I don't know why I said remember. Hypothetically, that would be terrible. What is that who you end up initiative to? Helicopter. So, the pilot is not... Leaving the controls and fighting you forces the helicopter to take a, a dive. It starts pointing its guns, tracking the movements of Highwayman, feeling that the Prime is being threatened. So it's gonna be locked on minus two Highwayman. And they're gonna hand off John Doe. So John Doe watches these hired gun guys retreat and he sighs and he looks at his exploded sleeves. And then John Doe 
starts to do his crazy acrobatic leaping, uh, which causes the shoes to fall apart. And as John Doe lands, going to try to land on one of these dudes, roll him up and kick him into another one. So I'm going to use my here's your friend back ability. I get to attack a minion using leaping and whatever their roll for defense hits another target of my choice. Okay. I love so much that this has become John's signature move. It's just it's just kicking a motherfucker into another motherfucker. I do. It is. It does make me very happy to use. I won't lie. It's very martial arts movie. I mean, we know now that John Doe look, looks like Kurt Russell in Big Trouble for Little China. So a seven on the one and whatever he rolls to defend is going to hit the next one. Okay. He cannot defend. Describe how you take two of them. So John Doe rolls the one up. And John Doe does speak some Spanish and he just looks a day hombre and kicks him into the next one. And they just both tumble over each other. And now it's just him looking at the third guy. I guess I'll pass to him. The last remaining hired gunman for his action. He pees. The last hired gun says you just take two of his mates like nothing. And he points the gun towards a gas can and threatens you, I'm going to shoot it. And because you are in an open space, you think, well, that's unlikely to actually hurt either of us. It will cause massive attention and we're going to have the rebel forces occupying Cordova on our ass. So this is going to be intimidation hinder. Going to hand off to Matjuska. Yeah, so... Another clone grabs the hammer and seems to be doing something with it. And you can see that it's just shaking with power, throws it in the air. It's caught by another Matryoshka that then just lets it drop on front of Highwayman as they drive around. Okay, so that's five damage coming your way. Ouch. Oh, I'm in yellow range now. That means I can start using attacks. Excellent. Okay, so it makes only sense. Going to advance. We still have one green box left. The time to put that yellow to us. Yeah, I think I'm going to use called shot. Still, I'm kind of in that the Akira style break slide that I'm doing. I think before he just like fully charges again, Johnny just whips and turns the rifle right at Matryoshka. Is he physically in combat with me or did he throw the hammer at me? He basically he has dropped the hammer in front of you, hitting you with the debris and not. Okay, great, great, great. So he's still far enough away that I can use cold shot. Um, yeah, I will. Yeah, I'm gonna t- attack with. So I still attack with my mid die on this, and then someone gets a boost based on my max die. Is that what I'm to understand here with cold shot? Attack using lightning cal- calculator. Boost use or boost another hero using your max die. It's basically two actions as a single action. You do a mid attack and uh, you boost. Okay, my attack was a 7. My roll for the the max die for the boost was an 11. That's a pretty nice nice little boost. So that's a plus 3 boost to another hero. Who you give it to? It makes the most sense to give that boost to Bezerk here. I'm going to call it I've got him on the ropes because if the only sort of concern for Bezerk here at this point is one of the other Matryoshka clones, that way they can kind of act with that. Yeah, and... uh... You hear laughter, and you realize that this is not their first rodeo with you, and they were waiting exactly to the final point to split, 
and you realize that uh, you did not manage to hit them. Uh, yeah, Johnny is definitely irritated by that, but like the distracting point, I think is is something he's going to take as a win. I'm going to give it to. <sighs> I'm going to give it to the helicopter. So the helicopter going to be making hinders again. This time it's going to go to John Doe. So the helicopter is getting closer to the ground and uh, and uh, it is landing closer to where John Doe is. And uh, the rotor and uh, the wind buffet castigating them is going to give a minus one. And John Doe, what do you do? I'm going to cash in my uh, plus two hero point reward. I, I want to take this dude out before he shoots this gas can because he's nervous. I'm going to use my opening blow, which is I'm going to specifically I'm going to jump pinball off of the low flying helicopter to try and knock this dude out in one blow. I got an eight. Eight to where? Uh, to the last of the gun toting minions, last of the hired guns. So you take them out, but uh, the the gun still goes off, and uh, the tank is grazed and starts freezing out. So someone gonna need to do something, or it's gonna explode. And there are a lot of attention. Who you hand off to? Hand off to Berserkier. Okay, I would have to take an overcome action to put out the gas can. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and that. I'm not sure how I want to do that yet. Uh, Remember, you have a boost of plus three. I'm going to cash that in. Despite not understanding modern technology, Berserkier can understand that at least this person is the helmsman, and maybe I can manipulate the helmsman enough to blow that can out with the air pressure since we're low enough now. Okay, so that's a seven, which I think is... a Partial success, or I will say that you're gonna have to grab the controls, and you're gonna le- be left vulnerable to the clone, and they're gonna fight you for the controls. So if, if you don't want to relinquish, you're gonna take some damage. Go ahead, take the damage. Okay, so that's four damage to, to topple the canister. It fizzles out instead of exploding, and. Uh, and there is no threat of you getting the attentions of the occupying rebel forces. Could you hand off initiative to? I guess Matroska is the only one left, unless there's more hired guns coming in. No, but there is always more Matroska. Yes. Matroska sees that uh, Iron Man is not doing so well, and they seem to take special pleasure on this and goad him. No, no, no. You're not so tough under normal gravity, are you? I think the only gravity you need to be concerned with is the gravity of your situation. And uh, one of the clones tries to grab you out of the motorcycle while the other one grabs the hammer and slowly drags it towards you. The one that tries to grab you tries to put you off a motorcycle, but you shake them off by uh, having your motorcycle just make a spin. But the other one is approaching you with the hammer and uh, they raise it out and make it descend with a spin. And that's for damage coming towards you. Is there any way to resist that at all or? 
Well, you can always take a dive and get a minor twist. Oh, man, I feel like if I do that, I lose control of the bike. Yeah, that seems like exactly the minor twist that I will propose. Yeah, I'll do that. I can hopefully get control of the bike again after we're, after we're done with the fight. We'll roll for defending. Well, it's a two. Okay, so you reduce damage by two and you lose control of the bike. And the bike goes away as you struggle to get up while you are being surrounded by clones. Fine. Well, we are on yellow now. And Matryoshka going to hand over to the helicopter. And uh, the clones, they are really pissed off at the uh, Berserkir. And uh, they're going to attack. They're gonna, the pilot's going to divide in multiple cones and basically ball around Berserkir, almost to the point where the cabin bursts with the change of pressure. So that's five damage coming towards Berserkir. You know what? I'm just going to take the three. So I would only take three since we're in the yellow zone. They're going to hand it over to you. All right. I'm going to use frontline fighting and just convince, basically have them continue to focus on me instead of focusing on uh, others. Six damage going at the lieutenant. Tell us how you really damaged that, that uh, helicopter. I think in all the kerfuffle, it's mostly accidents. They, they're flailing around and accidentally hit the console doing something to the helicopter. Maybe they start hitting the co-pilot's area. <laughs> so, uh, who you hand it over next? I don't want Highwayman to get out of the trouble he's in. So I'm going to hand it over to Highwayman. Thank you so much. I finally have a great idea. So, Ludo, if I understood correctly, I now have three Matryoshka clones to contend with. Is that correct? Yeah. Highwayman yells, John, a little help when you can. And I'm going to use area alteration to hinder all of the Matryoshka clones in that area. Basically, just the area around where he is. He just, like, basically snaps the gun into the magnet on his back and then slams his hands down onto the ground and like almost presses them into the tarmac. And what I'm trying to do is it's a similar thing to what we did with the directs. I think I'm trying to kind of turn the immediate area into almost basically like quicksand, like slurry that they can't get out of. Even if they are to clone themselves, they would immediately start sinking into, into this stuff. That's basically the only kind of respite from that that is super easy is the center where where Johnny is standing in the hope that John Doe can leap from one person to another person. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to hinder. That's a six. OK, I will burn another plus one to make that a minus three hinder on all of the Matryoshka clones. But you'll hand off two. Yeah, it's going to be John. John Doe hears the when you've got a minute sees berserk ear level the helicopter full of clones yeah i think i got a minute looks uh john doe does again much like how he got over to the other zone he's going to start pinballing back there and john doe's going to use and i'll I'll have to use this ability because it's the one that makes the most sense he's going to use his hyper intuition to look at the crowd of tarmac matryoshkas and all right, and that's the real one. I'm going to use opening blows. I got a six. We've done it. Teamwork. Yeah, so it's writing, and uh, you managed to disperse, and uh, it seems like uh, Matriarch has taken quite a beating. Could you hand over to them? Yeah, they're the only option. 
they divide themselves and attack both of you. One attacks John Doe, the other attacks Highwayman. Five to John Doe, three to Highwayman. I'll happily take it so that way the attacker takes an equal amount of damage. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you have destroyed the clone, but that does not do much. Uh, Bren, for whatever you were about to do, if you want to do that for your boy here, that would be okay. It's Mystic Redirection, so another hero in the yellow or red zone would take damage. You may redirect it to yourself and defend against it by rolling Density Control. Tell us how you redirect that even if you are inside the helicopter. I think I just move the helicopter close enough to where it just... I control my density and just create a sudden weight change, which forces the helicopter to just somehow get in the way without hurting anybody. I feel like it's one of those wild things where, like, we see the blades of the helicopter, like, just like the helicopter, like, tilts forward, mm-hmm. like, because there's a sudden weight in the front of it. And just like the blades just kind of spin down in front of this, this person. <laughs> so Andreaska gives it to the helicopter. It has to make an attack action against me. Yeah, so I singing what it is. So on one of the clones, they pull out a rocket launcher and prepare to blow it inside the remains of the helicopter. What the fuck? <laughs> Where did this fucking clone get a rocket launcher? It was on the helicopter. Are they launching the rocket inside of the helicopter? Yeah, uh, and it's gonna fizzle out. So, Berserkir, tell us how this rocket just toots and duds against you. I don't think it duds. I think I do a total Dragon Ball, just knock it out of the helicopter. Just a full no-sell. Yeah, full no-sell, knock it away. It blows up harmlessly elsewhere. Amazing. Uh, And I think after that, it's only fitting the, uh, the helicopter gives it to you. I'm just going to power strike this thing down. Roll for it, but it's it's basically it's going to wreck it shit. So get ready to that. So obliterate that wink. I think they just at this point take one of the clones, just knocks the other clones out of the helicopter and just continues on knocking the pilot out. I don't know how the clones work, if they work like shadow clones or whatever. But yeah, oh, the helicopter now doesn't have a pilot, so I don't know. The helicopter has been rotating on the ground. (laughs) So I guess I'm trying to turn it off at this point. So (laughs) yeah, basically, you're trying to make this dangerous heavy machine to just stop spinning and control. Uh. (laughs) As it halfway sinks on the tarmac that is now behaving like quicksand. Mm hmm. But hey, I mean, th- at least that means it's not going to like explode immediately. It's just it's just part of, partly stuck into the concrete. Who are you going to give it to? John Doe. John Doe is getting angry at Matryoshka and his whole gimmick, especially because when the one jumped at him and he dispersed the clone and he sees the real one, it's definitely just that, will you stop doing that? And he's going to do the exact same trick as last time, but this time he's going to put his whole super strength behind it. And that's an eight. They cannot save it, so they go back to four. Who do you give it to? I'm giving it to Highwayman. Am I in punching range of the Prime, Pluto? 
Yeah, there's only the prime left, and uh, it's being thrown around between the two of you. I uh, walk up just close enough to the prime, relatively calmly, and I say, it's great to see you, Alexi. We should uh, catch up soon. And then I'm going to attack him. We see Johnny's hand. It turns into rock from the fingertips down to about like the forearm. And then that rock turns into magma. And I'm just going to uppercut Mr. Yoshka right in the dome. So I'm using inflict. That's transmutation. Hinder the same target using my minimum die, which is not, I don't think, going to be super necessary. But No, it's out. Mr. is out. So what do you do with them? Kind of the only way to turn this guy's power off temporarily. I was thinking something to the effect of like, King is like a Faraday cage, honestly. Like, that's the easiest way to do that. Johnny, we see his hand as he just like right after he uppercuts this person. Just a good solid uppercut, knocks him to the ground. The ground goes back to being not quicksand. It's just regular tarmac again because he's not concentrating on that anymore. Johnny turns to the other two and says... Well, this was not part of the plan. Zerkir, they're kind of spinning around, very dizzy. I kind of thought that. How did they know we were here? A terrifying and excellent question, and one that, I've got to be honest, a wee bit exciting, because I'm not used to things surprising me, but at the same time, pretty troubling for our sort of problem here. If they knew to expect us, that means they're aware of the problem. Well... On the other hand, I'm going to be positive and say they're probably not super aware of it because it's just one guy. That's true. Also, you know this guy? Yeah, yeah. Alexei Devine, a.k.a. Matryoshka. Let's say uh, he was super soldier up on the moon uh, during the during the conflict, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Problem is, I'm aware their skill set. Y'all saw it. Easiest way to keep this feller contained is stick him in like a Faraday cage. John, do you know what a Faraday cage is? No. I have to kind of build a uh, something that'll block this fella gets their powers from uh, just from ambient radiation. They basically extract it and then expel it as these hard light clones. So if we can cut them off from that radiation, they won't be able to just, you know, won't any source for them to use. So and then I just like start taking pieces and assembling them into a Faraday cage style thing. So that uh, and then and then trying to transmute them. We need to get. Uh, Alexi here, sort of out of here, and we need to get ourselves out of here quick, like. Okay. Um, dang, everybody else is cloning too. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second to realize what you were talking I forgot how dizzy Vesrick is. Is there some way that I could try to absorb as many details from the scene as possible so that we can make sure that we essentially have some sort of story ready for like what happened here. Like basically, so we can start putting out things to spin this to make sure that it's not like something that gets pinned on Chileans or, or the Chilean forces or whatever. Now this seems like a role. There's a plus two from berserk here that could apply, which is security detail defending against uh, USSR or USA forces from kidnapping you and that's basically what happened you're gonna try to make it like you were a victim of kidnapping that's an eight yeah that's just what you need for a perfect success and uh, do this and the authorities come and they interview and everything seems to be in order and they take you to a hotel where uh, you spend the night getting ready for the your uh, journey 
and uh, you don't get much to see much of the Cordova, but uh, you can see that the city, some parts of it, they seem to be under some kind of martial law, and uh, you see a lot of helicopters flying in and out, bringing different cargo and relief to the place, and uh, you realize that uh, you're going to have to escape the city without being detected and make your way to Pentagonia. So you're going to need to come up with a plan to that. Did it make sense for us to be handing Matryoshka over to the authorities here and also explaining like, hey, this is a person with superpowers. You need to keep them in this thing or else they are going to start cloning themselves. Okay, let's do the superhero classic. Uh, We'll leave him somewhere with a note. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can we have them like set us up with like another hotel room and then just keep like a like some like a tape over their mouth of like the Faraday cage in place, basically like leave a note. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Perfect. We do that. Yeah. And uh, we get off as we see uh, very frustrated Matryoshka trying to clone themselves out of it. Give them a wink and a. Finger guns as we exit. He's like kind of walking backwards out of the hotel room and says, you know, genuinely, uh, Alexi, I'd love to love to catch up with you sometime. Really would. Uh, just kind of I'm in the midst of something just pretty, pretty significant. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe, hey, maybe when they get you back to system four, we can sort of just have a little time to sit. I've got some pretty nice booze you might enjoy. I'll bring it around. Great seeing you. See you again. And... As you disappear into Cordova, we still see the same room and uh, we see the authorities coming inside and suddenly two of them fall down and you can see one of them change shape and uh, you see a grimacing old man destroying the faraway cages if it was nothing. Alexis, Alexis, Alexis. Seriously, you're a disappointment, but don't worry, I'm on it now, and they will not leave Argentina alive. <laughs> I, I, I forgot Border Gore was a shapeshifter. Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Radio. Joaquin Jarve, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. <laughs>
They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlaxer. They can be found at SGCADelaysec on Instagram and YoungSpaceDead on Twitter. They are largely impressive. John Doe is played by Bradley Handler. You can follow him at JudgeTheBarbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettel and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Sentinel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast just because a friend told us about it.